Every Saturday is Catterday on Echoplex Media, and not only are we posting fucking cats, we invite all content creators to join our open panel. Visit echoplexmedia.com slash panel to learn how to join. Every third Saturday is Operation Catterday, where we cover this week and last year and play the best clips from the cast of conspiracy characters that now space has learned to loathe. The show starts at 8 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. I'll get on Twitter. I'll see something outrageous. I'll get triggered by it. But, I mean, I'll get off 30 seconds later and it's over. Okay. I'm white and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their purses when they're in a room alone with me. And I can drive for any neighborhood I please. Welcome to the Intellectual Dollar Tree. We do the show live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Uh, I'm Dave. Uh, you can find me on Grindr. Uh, HK's not feeling so well today, so, uh, you know, we had to, I guess we had to go with an upgrade. We got uh, Marcus, how was I good? How you doing? <laughs> hey, I'm uh, I'm doing all right. I'm a little tired myself, but um, hopefully uh, HK's feeling a little bit better in the coming days. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess not so much an upgrade, uh, maybe a lateral move. Let, let's do uh, HK some justice here. I just like to neg my co-hosts, man. I just like to neg <laughs> my co-hosts. I wonder what uh, IDW figure told you to neg your co-host to increase success <laughs> on social media. <laughs> so um, for any anybody who doesn't know who you are and, and what you've been up to on Twitch, uh, if you can just kind of quickly or long-windedly uh ex- explain who you are to people and what you're doing here <laughs> yeah uh i'll i won't take up that much time um yeah so 
like you said, my, my online name is homozygote. Uh, my government name is Marcus. So you know, I always tell people, use whichever one makes you happy. Um, I am a science streamer, although we have kind of really delved a lot out of science recently and been uh, talking a lot of politics, uh, especially with some of the other folks we have on our uh, weekly panels every Tuesday. But um, a lot of my content revolves around science, you know, the pandemic, uh, all the germs floating around right now, uh, academia, and how all of that uh, kind of functions in society. So broadly speaking, that's, uh, that's what I'm up to. I spend a fair amount of time doing, you know, COVID advocacy and trying to get people uh, vaccinated vaccinated, uh, wearing masks in public, and ultimately trying to uh, clean the air. So that's more or less uh, my current war path right now is trying to uh, help people make their holiday gatherings a lot more COVID safe. So the only thing they get as a gift is, you know, actual Christmas presents and uh, not germs. So that's uh, that's what I'm up to. Great. Um, I, you know, I don't get a chance to watch your channel at all because you're on at the same time I am. Every night, every time, I'm, every time I'm like, who else is on? I'm like, oh, Marcus is on right now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, it's just, it works just on that same wavelength, man. Like when I manage to, uh, you know, get my shit together when I'm done with my lab work and everything, uh, since I'm a grad student right now uh it winds up being about you know 8 p.m 9 p.m eastern you know kind of when you're getting your uh affairs in order to hit the stream button as well so it's actually kind of a shame that we're always streaming at the same time but uh you know that only makes it more important for us to you know hang out again like this and uh on friday with conspiracy bingo it's it's been too long so i'm actually really happy to be here yeah i just i just if with the with the move to the the new spot and just kind of all the other things that go along with moving, I just haven't been as, as good as I should be about like reaching out to other streamers and trying to trying to get other people involved. But now that I'm more comfortable and everything's all built out here and stuff, uh, it's, I've been doing a little bit more of that. And yeah, everybody, make sure you check out Bingo on Friday because that'll be, I think, your first time on Conspiracy Bingo. That's the that's the funnest one we do. It's crazy town. <laughs> I'm I'm excited. Yeah, it will be my first time on Conspiracy Bingo. I've uh, <clears throat> I've I guess. Uh, Oh, what is the what is the phrase? I've been writing your coattails on the bingo train. You know, sometimes when we talk about uh, you know COVID conspiracy theorism, I have a couple of bingo cards for you know, the various germs and conspiracies around them. So uh, I'm very excited to actually like participate in the the OG uh, conspiracy bingo. Very good. Do you uh, you you know you guys could steal my bingo cards? They're just on a website somewhere. You could even use them if you wanted. I wouldn't even be mad. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like uh, I like the chat input in terms of making the bingo cards because sometimes they've like seen shit that I haven't. So oh, um, I, I try to democratize it a little bit. Oh, cool, cool. Well, I don't know what's going on in my chat. Somebody seems to have enabled followers only mode. Um, I don't know how to unenable that. Maybe somebody, so maybe one of my mods can take care of that for me because <laughs> uh, I don't. I yeah, don't... I know there's a button or two in the Twitch backend, like on the on the Twitch dashboard. Oh, okay. It looks like you got the. Uh fixed all right cool cool well <laughs> thanks thanks for that and if you're watching if you're listening on the podcast of this you have no idea what we're talking about and that's fine um when i when i came to you and kind of asked what you wanted to do or you know told you to give me some suggestions you were like we could talk a little bit about how the idw has used twitter and i'm <clears throat> sort of thinking maybe we can even sort of delineate like be before elon and after elon just kind of how their behavior has changed to the extent that it has yeah that almost kind of feels like we're weird historians like we're, we're terminally online historians where we have to now have like 
BE and AE, you know, before Elon, after Elon in terms of the year and the month, like, you know, God forbid any actual academic material is made out of uh, what's happened to Twitter, even though it's a, it's a pretty like eventful uh, time with respect to that. It's very impactful in a lot of ways that are not good. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a, a before Elon and an after Elon era, kind of like, a, you know, before COVID, after COVID. Uh, I think a lot of frame of reference is really going to add context to looking back on everything we're living through right now. So one of the things I noticed is that I can now log into but not tweet from a previously suspended account, um, which is <laughs> which is actually pretty good because also like all the people that blocked me on that account, it seems like they don't have me blocked anymore. So I can actually use that account as like a read only account to just go look what Eric Weinstein's up to. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you have a hate follow read only account. Well, you can't really follow anyone on it yet either. I guess you have to just remember who you hate, which is, you know, it's not that hard. There's only, I actually like most people. And I think that the, even people who get it wrong, aren't usually monsters, but there's some people who are just fucking monsters. Uh, Eric, for example. Uh, oh, for sure. I know a lot of people in like the academic Twitter, uh, they'll, it's not so much like a, a hate follow. Maybe that was the wrong word, but they'll, it's like a surveillance follow. You know, they just want to get uh, tabs on what, uh, big figures and other uh, crazy folks are saying, uh, in, in various spheres of Twitter. So I guess, yeah, you're, you're, uh, shadow banned, but still, uh, present, uh, prior sock accounts are good for something. It was it's, it was odd because Elon was like tweeting about that. You know, oh my gosh, look, we're we're so awesome. We're unbanning suspended accounts, and everybody thought that was like it was going to be a full unban where it's like okay, you know, now they have full functionality again. But maybe only for the people that have large followings. That seems uh, more, I guess, likely because a bunch of, you know, uh, white supremacists and shit have come back with full functionality, but you know, your alt, not so much. Oh, that was actually my main account. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, seriously. Yeah. Do you want to know, do you want to know how I got banned? <laughs> yes. Tell I need lore. I called Jacob wall, a dumb twink. I mean, you're not wrong, but like, huh? That that was a ban? Yeah, I I guess his people like dogpiled or whatever, because I just woke up in the morning and it's like, this tweet violates our thing. And I'm like, oh, I'll delete that. That's a stupid tweet anyway. Who cares? This isn't like, I'm not, I'm not going to die on this hill. And then like, it just didn't let me back in. And so I was like, well, I guess, you know. That's so wild. Like, I've, I've seen, I mean, that this was, um, this was pre-Elon, right? Oh, this was like 2018. Oh yeah, that's a long time ago. That's very like, odd. Like Wall's like almost thirty now. I wouldn't really be able to rightfully call him that anymore, you know. <laughs> right, or we could just uh, app and has been to it. So you know, dumb has been twink. Oh my god, <laughs> so, that, that, that's I mean, a little bit more mean, but like whatever. And then we also lost our main account for Echoplex Media when I kept telling this. Uh, do you know about Honey Badger Radio? No, they're, they're like a men's rights thing. And this wasn't right. I shouldn't have been doing this, but the, the gal who runs it has a striking resemblance to Shrek. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I kept posting Shrek gifts under everything she posted because she they had me on their show. There was a whole thing about that. A lot of people found us, actually, because I went in there and did a bit of a number on their producer who didn't know anything about the things he was talking about. And then he's like, well, I'm not really the show person after an hour in. And I'm like, well, why have we been talking for an hour? You fucking idiot. It was great. But then, I, then I went after them. On, then I went after them on Twitter and I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it on our main account, but whatever, whatever. 
well, you know, with the the current state of Twitter, it's only going to enable people to just make a shit ton of alts and use that for, uh, you know, getting in everybody's replies. So now, now you've uh, you've had the lived experience, and now the platform has uh, accommodated around that exact kind of behavior, <laughs> good, bad, or otherwise. Just kind of depends on uh, who's who's doing it and for what reason. Yeah. You know, um, I think the first thing we're going to do is we're going to play some, I pulled some clips from the uh, Sam Harris, why I left Twitter thing. And I I was actually surprised when he left Twitter because that guy was just absolutely addicted to Twitter, not only to like going on there and just posting about his podcast or whatever, which is like normal behavior. You'd think that he would do that, but he would also like take, take uh, shots at people, right? He'd kind of snipe at people and then he'd get all mad when people would snipe at him. And that was sort of his Twitter persona. (laughs) And and it was just real surprising to me that he quit. I would, it wouldn't have surprised me if he was like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take off for a month. You know, maybe I'll be back. Maybe I won't. I'm going to see how this all shakes out. You know, I'm going to focus on, I don't know, my house in Malibu. I don't even know that he lives in Malibu. I just assume that he does. He, he seems like the type. Yeah, probably, probably, probably. So, um, we could have listened to the whole thing cause it was like 20 minutes long, but there was a lot of it that was kind of, kind of self aggrandizing Sam Harris, normal stuff that I would usually leave in, but for the sake of this discussion, I decided to leave it out. Yeah. And I think like if uh, we're we're making a lot of the discussion around like the IDW and their presence on Twitter and the utility of the platform to the things that they do and their grift, then it kind of makes sense to just clip out the essentials. But like, it's, it's very curious the reactions that his uh, cohort folks, you know, his IDW uh, allies, so to speak, had to him leaving Twitter. I think it was, it stuck out to me because it was one of those moments where it was, depending on who uh, was commenting, it was like a rare moment of lucidity. Like it was one of the first things they said that have kind of made sense, but most of them were just like content to just eat their own. And it was actually kind of refreshing to see it happen on the, you know, on the right for once. I believe Sunday after our news show, we watched the Gad Sad thing about <laughs> Sam leaving Twitter. Oh, that fart sniffer. Yeah. He was. The fun thing about him is that he uh, keeps referring to himself as a satirist and kind of a funny guy, but then never, ever does anything satirical or funny. Just sort of the only way we'd, we would even know that he believes himself to be a satirist is that he tells us. And I mean, that's, that's the, the typical shield, you know, like everything I do is actually satire in the event that you don't like my, my opinions, but if it's actually something you like, then I was serious that it's hiding behind humor because he's too intellectually afraid to put his actual takes out there. Right. And like, I don't know. I believe what I say. Like I, it, I'm pretty, I'm pretty easy to figure out. I believe the things that I say and some of them might happen to be funny. Yeah, I mean, you you and I, we say things with our chest, and a lot right. of the people in the IDW are too scared to actually do that. Um, you know, I was talking a lot about uh, the situation in China recently, and I'm just saying that with my chest, and there's a you know, bunch of weirdos who uh, you know, disagree, but regardless, it's it's not like I'm... Uh, you know, hiding behind some sort of humor, like a Babylon Bee-esque type article to, uh, you know, do a trial balloon for a take and see how it goes. You know, we say shit and we own it. Yeah, I mean, it's fine if I, and the other thing is if I get something wrong, uh, that's just the way it goes, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're saying shit wrong, you you go back and you correct it. And if you're doing the intellectually honest approach, you can say like, oh yeah, shit, here's the, here I'm quote tweeting myself. I was wrong about this. Oops, sorry. You know, it, that's really all it takes. It's it's not difficult to be a Twitter presence. I think a lot of people, um, especially you know people with larger platforms. Uh, take it too seriously and that's really all it takes if you're wrong you just say oh oops shit sorry i was wrong as long as you're not you know consistently spouting god-awful shit uh you know that's borderline gonna get you uh, removed from the platform pre-elon then it, it, it's fine like i i think there's a, a lack of competency in how to talk to people and the idw makes it very apparent and it manifests on twitter yeah and i think that <clears throat> i think that a lot of uh you know, a lot of academics kind of suffer from the inability to be able to talk to regular people. Yeah, because uh, right after Elon bought Twitter, there's there's a giant like med Twitter discord where a lot of them are just taking refuge. And I'm in there and like it's just the tone of all those folks. is just like, oh, finally, I don't have to talk to lay people anymore. And it's just like you do realize this is doing a disservice like your presence on twitter is good you should keep it even in spite of the god-awful harassment you're probably getting you know do what you need to to minimize that take breaks but you know don't don't seed the platform to all of the new weirdo nazi fuckers that are going to show up like you're you're just making the problem worse because you're you're so tired and fatigued of you know trying to throw big words at people and hope they get it yeah, and there's you know there's there's a select few who are like really good actually at talking to the public. Oh I'm yeah, of ev- the people that work at Science Based Medicine, for example, all of uh, them are able. Gorsky. To just, oh, I love him. He was one of the first so people good. that followed me on our Mastodon instance. Actually, that was crazy. Whoa, that's that that's actually a big W. That's almost like you you print out the notification and frame that shit. <laughs> oh, I don't know. He and I have been like Twitter like like we're not we don't know each other or whatever, but we've been like we've been like bouncing shit off of each other on twitter for years actually like yeah because he's one of the few people who had the foresight to be like yeah i should probably pay attention to the conspiracy space because shit happens here and it's going to definitely emerge and be more of a a cultural phenomenon than just a bunch of you know tinfoil cranks uh in their own like discord groups or twitter dms right and i think that's sort of how he and i found each other because i've been talking about that i mean i've been talking about conspiracism into a microphone since 2015 and like online since like i don't know I'm, I'm a bit older than you since like aol and usenet and <laughs> so yeah i mean hey i i used aol instant messenger i just used it to like play starcraft that that was really it i was i was below the age of 18 so conspiracy theories were not on my radar at that point yeah absolutely absolutely well let's get started with some of what sam has to say about his recently leaving twitter one of the things that bugs me about sam actually is that on his youtube channel he can't just set up a fucking camera and pointed at himself while he's talking. I don't understand why. He's not like a weird-looking guy. Or, you know what I mean? There's nothing. He would have nothing really to be self-conscious about w- regarding putting himself on camera. He's famous, and I, I don't get it. I don't. I don't. He's like. I think he's leaving a lot on the table by just not pointing a camera at himself. Yeah, it's very strange. Like. It- you know, there. I guess if we're talking like podcast mode, no, there, there's some degree of, I guess, consistency if you're doing the whole like disembodied voice thing where people just, you know, throw in their headphones and listen, you know, the, the OG podcast experience. But when you look at his uh, uh, IDW colleagues, you know, they all have giant recording studios. They all have uh, nice cameras in addition to the microphones when they're recording their podcast. I mean, that's 
the the more modern way to do it these days you know a lot of people who've got into the podcast space who already have big platforms i know uh, um hassan piker being one of them you know his podcast isn't expressly political uh a lot of the time it's just a bunch of dumb content creators like hanging out with each other but you know he's got a giant room in his mansion with all the recording equipment he's got a big studio and everything so like sam harris is one of the people who could absolutely afford to splurge on one of that like let, let's be real he could afford at least you know 150 dollars webcam just to point at himself it's not that hard man <laughs> truly like get with the times and i don't know maybe that kind of factored into uh, some uh, amount of his reasoning as to why he's leaving Twitter. Maybe he just feels like he's uh, fallen behind. Well, let's take a listen to him. He didn't start this one with uh okay, which was crazy because he always starts every <laughs> show with that. Oh, you know it's serious when he doesn't start it with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I deleted my Twitter account the other day on Thanksgiving, actually, and I've been thinking about doing this for a long time. In fact. It was a very simple decision in the end. I'd been on the platform for 12 years and had tweeted something like 9,000 times. That's about twice a day on average. So I wasn't the most compulsive user of Twitter, but it did punctuate my life far more than it should have. It was the only social media platform I ever used, personally. I don't run the accounts I have for Facebook and Instagram and I never look at them. Anyway, the long and the short of it is that I just came to believe that my engagement with Twitter was making me a worse person. It really is as simple as that. I have a lot to say about Twitter and about what I think it's doing to society, but I left it because it suddenly became obvious that it was a net negative influence on my life. The most glaring sign of this, and something which I've been concerned about for a few years, is that it was showing me the worst of other people in a way that I began to feel was actually distorting my perception of humanity. So that's somewhat thoughtful, actually. Pretty, <clears throat> no no poor me shit in there, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, surprisingly introspective. It's not something you would really expect from, uh, from him at this point in time. Um I expect a lot more like all of these people here are big meanies and they make me want to leave and I don't like it here anymore. Um, this is again after Elon bought it and a bunch of people are getting now you know, unsuspended. And uh, I think uh, I think this happened after Trump's account was reinstated, even though I don't think Trump has tweeted since because he's got the whole truth social deal going on. But um, I think this that was like the straw that broke his back and now maybe now he's just like oh god I don't want to engage with this shit anymore like I, I'm I'm sick and tired of it you know it, it gives me like Dr. Manhattan vibes where he's you know on Mars just like I've had enough of this world not to you know turn him into some sort of you know superhero figure because he doesn't deserve it but he, he has that attitude at least in that clip yeah and he's what he said is you're seeing the worst of other people but the, the and we're we're taking clips here but you can go listen to the whole thing if you want it's only 22 minutes he's like not acknowledging that usually when he sees what he thinks is the worst of other people it's because he just had like a completely shit take and everybody's dunking <laughs> on him for it right yeah like when when he says it brings out the worst in people 
there's a middleman there and it's one of the two tweets a day he posted like that's what's bringing out what he perceives to be the worst is because he said something fucking ridiculous and people are letting him know i mean that's what happens when you participate in the public squares you know not every tweet's gonna do numbers not everything is gonna be a big w but at the end of the day if you say things with your chest you stand by it and you kind of learn to just like block out the riffraff if you're a big uh you know personality online like sam harris so that almost suggests that it's really been eating at him over the years the people just constantly in his mentions uh calling him various things and letting him know how bad his takes are uh that's really eaten away at his psyche yeah and you know over the years he's just been a guy that's been really bad with taking criticism not like not like, not like, just like, I don't agree with your criticism because people criticize me in ways like I don't agree with all the time. I'm like, oh, I don't see it that way or whatever. It's more like, how dare you is, has been oftentimes his, his response. And more often than that, it's the response of his fans, but he doesn't ever do anything to like, you know, try to suggest that like his fans, some of his fans almost cult like devotion to him is a bad thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's probably an artifact of how, you know, he was originally one of those, like, this is why I left the left, and now I'm going to hang out with racists and Nazis. Like, that was a, that was kind of his initial, like, foray into the space was um, you know, a lot of his takes around uh, religion, the uh, Islamophobia arc that really seems to be never-ending with him. And, you know, his uh, atheist skeptic uh, opinions kind of got him roped in with the other IDW folks in the first place. And, you know, when you kind of like put that in context uh, with respect to the people he associates with and the people who are always up in a shit, like uh, this is all something he created. Like, I think that's hopefully why there's more of an introspective tone coming from him, because maybe he's like realizing what he's done now. I don't know if he has enough self-awareness to arrive there, but uh, (laughs) we'll, we'll see. Like if we, three, we will see if in three weeks of being off Twitter, he's like, actually, you know, black lives matter. Isn't so bad. And I've taken a look at this race IQ stuff and it seems like it's actually garbage. <laughs> he's like, I'm yeah. just, it was just mad at the left for making fun of my dumb takes on Islam. And it turns out that like, we have, we have bigger problems than some, some 19 year old <laughs> with blue hair who yelled at a, who yelled at a speaker. <laughs> like, I'd be like, Whoa, yeah, may- maybe the college campus SJWs aren't the most uh, immediate thing that's bringing the country to, uh, the state that it's in like i hope that this actually gives him enough time to think about that of course we can still fault him for making a lot of these people famous and platforming them in the first place you know the revival of modern race science was i think driven in a pretty big part by sam harris uh, platforming charles murray and his friends uh with respect to race and iq so you know, I think this is probably good because if he was still on the platform, people on all sides are going to go after him. Most people not within the IDW or right-wing spaces are going to do it for good reasons. And then all of the, the crazy right-wingers and Nazis now starting to populate Twitter are going to do it because he's not Nazi enough. So I think this is probably the best thing for Sam and, and his uh, and his presence right now is to just go away. Yeah. And like, whatever, it's not like it's not like he needs the money so yeah this uh, he's doing it for his mental health day <laughs> yeah, yeah. well i mean what i'm saying is like for if somebody like someone like you or me we absolutely have to be on twitter if we want to make any money doing content creation this guy didn't even ever need to do any content creation and 
since he's since he got famous like basically after 9/11 during the the new atheism thing he doesn't really he, he could just do nothing for the rest of his life and he'd be just fine sipping a cocktail or whatever I don't even know if he drinks but here let's move on let's move on to this next clip um I've got there's like 13 of them but they're all less than 2 minutes long so go for it topics regularly as I do especially when you're more in the center politically and not tribally aligned with the left or the right, you get an enormous amount of hate and misunderstanding from both sides. I know there are people who can just ignore everything that's coming back at them. I think Bill Maher and Joe Rogan are both like this. They just never look at their at mentions. But I didn't appear to be that sort of person. I could ignore everything for a time, but I actually wanted to use Twitter to communicate. So I would keep getting sucked back in. I would see someone who appeared sincerely confused about something I said on a podcast, and I'd want to clarify it. And then I would discover for the thousandth time that it was hopeless. See, like, is it hopeless or does the person he's talking about just after he explains himself, the person's just like, well, that's a dumb explanation. <laughs> again like that that's just the lack of self-awareness like it, it's literally the uh, the simpsons meme with a uh, principal scanner like was it my take that was bad no it's the people deliberately misunderstanding my podcast like it, it, it's just it's wild to me that someone of his stature i don't know if he has like syncophons in a circle or what but like <laughs> it, it's just sad that he's not gotten to that point of introspection until now like it took everything from when he started to now to happen to get him to actually think about his own takes right and the the problem and he keeps saying everybody's misunderstanding me everybody's misunderstanding me everybody's misunderstanding me and it's like well i don't know you don't have anything to do all goddamn day but get ready for your fucking <laughs> podcast maybe you could figure out a way to say what you're saying in a clearer way that people don't misunderstand you so often I actually don't run into that problem and I say a lot more words into a microphone every week with a lot less prep time per word let's say than he does and I don't really get a lot of people misunderstanding me I mean I think it's indicative of how poor of a communicator he actually is if he thinks that everybody's always in a state of misunderstanding him like if you don't think everybody's getting it uh, that's kind of your fault sam <laughs> you, you should maybe do something about that and yeah like you said he, he has enough money to probably like i don't know, have a focus group like uh, focus test his content to see if it's really everybody misunderstanding him or if he just has shit opinions and you would mention does he have like a bunch of yes people around him i do wonder what his like friend group is like because i'm i'm not buying this idea that his bu his buddies were all like the weinsteins and like Dave Rubin, you know what I mean? I, he, I I have to imagine that like there's people like that live near him or whatever that he hangs out with who are like normies whose names we wouldn't know. People he maybe met in college, people he met here or here or there over his life that he became friends with. Just because you're famous doesn't mean like the only connections you have are the public ones you have. You certainly I'm I'm certain every famous person has non-famous friends. I would hope so. Although uh, that's a very interesting thought that like maybe he's gotten so lost in the sauce that he doesn't have those friends maybe his you know normie real life friends found his online presence and kind of figured out what he's become over the years and kind of watched his uh 
ascent into uh, you know content creation and being online and they met that with repulsion they're like well yeah time to not talk to sam anymore because he's doing this like weird online shit and he doesn't like muslims or something like this this is not my thing and we're not going to talk to him you know uh that kind of culminates in a lot of like the COVID related discussion with the idw where sam harris says things like yeah i consider brett weinstein to be my friend it's like well really like your co-workers like you just kind of occupy a digital office you know that's you're you're all in the same headspace that kind of cordons you off from everybody else you're your co-workers at best it's a little weird that you're it's almost like he's being parasocial with other idw figures because he doesn't have anything else maybe yeah because i mean i'll i'll if i like if i'm talking about you or uh, poly people or usa hole or any of the people kind of on the dystopia beat i'm like oh those are our twitch friends yeah like it, it's a thing you just like yeah those are the online homies we hang out we we do shit online but like they're online homies right these aren't like you know no 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 offense to any of of you but you're not my friends like i if i have a if i have a real problem i'm not calling some person i only know from twitch like yeah you know if, unless it's like a real emergency or something um you're yeah you're not gonna like dial up uh five other content creators to solve a a problem you have in real life like this is kind of the you almost call it work-life balance you know because content creation is work it's labor and you have to have a balance where like yeah you have to have a support system in the real world to fall back on if you need it because online is not always going to be there and even if they are present to be there doesn't mean anybody actually wants to help you because it's not like something that comes with the territory normally. Like there's no expectation that's going to happen. Right. Let's, let's grab it. Let's grab another clip. Let's see what we got here with this one. But the problem wasn't all the hate being directed at me. The problem was the hate I was beginning to feel. Hate probably isn't the right word. It was more like disgust and despair. Twitter was giving me a very dark view of other people. And the fact that I believed, and still believe, that it's a distorted view wasn't enough to inoculate me against this change in my attitude. Well, I kind of want more insight on his what he thinks, uh, or what his dark view of people is. Like, how, how did Twitter even bring that about? Like... You know, I've, I've heard a lot of actual like takes like that uh, once COVID hit, and I think a lot of those are more based in reality, where it's like, wow, there's a lot of people who like don't give a shit about you know infecting other people or anything like Jesus, like that. That was kind of a very existential realization. But like, what what is Twitter bringing about for for Sam? I'm I'm kind of curious. Yeah, and he he said like, <clears throat> was he saying like feelings of dread or something? He was saying like, yeah, despair, despair, almost was like. I don't know if that's about the platform or about the world. I don't know if like the platform is, uh, you know, sending him into some sort of existential crisis where, you know, uh, nothing is good. Everything's awful, which is more or less the headspace. A typical leftist occupies on a daily basis. You know, everything's bad. Everything's awful. And, uh, there are things we can do and we choose not to like a lot of people, like you said, on the dystopia beat, we see that and we're like, yep, that's how it goes. Now let's make fun of Donald Trump for, you know, giving people hamburgers at the white house. Like y- you kind of go back into that black pilled mentality of like, yeah, we're, we're doomers. This is the space we occupy. And he can't handle that. Yeah, it's 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 weird. I wonder how long he's been feeling this kind of despair and is it is it because people are clapping back on him at Twitter or is this like just a personality trait 
maybe that he has that he's yeah. been able to stuff down because of being he can just write it off or kind of shirk it off on the fact that he's a public figure and i wonder i wonder for public figures like people you know with a much bigger audience than you or i when they do have these kinds of problems if if it's easy like for them to just kind of say well this is that goes with the territory of of being a public figure and then they just don't just kind of push it off to the side and don't like do any work or whatever yeah and i think like i mean this is just a big assumption on my part but considering that like he's starting this off just talking about his feelings like this almost sounds like he just is he came back from his therapy appointment and recorded making sense 304 <laughs> like it it sounds very fresh in terms of how he's thinking about things uh and kind of almost uncharacteristic yeah but i mean it's I mean, let's let's be real. It's also still just about him and his interaction with people on Twitter, right? It's not. Yeah, it's it's not broader societal commentary. I mean, that's that's what happens when you make online content. There's always an element of narcissism, and it's especially going to be prominent for him. But you know, if he's at least engaging in a non-zero amount of introspection, I, I think that's fair to acknowledge. That's new, and I guess a step in the right direction with a question mark at the end. Well, if he's he's doing it publicly, right? Because I would I would suggest that he might tell you that well he i do my introspection when i meditate or whatever yeah that's fair i don't know if he's just you know relaying the collective results of his you know not online uh meditative introspection and that compelled him to you know leave twitter i think he just needs to add more context he's he just vague posting you know despair and gloom and, oh my god i hate it here like okay a little bit more details please sam come and on I, I didn't there's he's going to talk a little bit more about it in the clips I have here, but I didn't cut out like the, the, the meat or anything. Right. I did go through well, and right, listen, right. listen to all of it, but let's let's grab this next one here. But I go believe for it. That very few of my enemies on Twitter are anywhere near as bad as they seem to me on Twitter. There's just no way around it. Twitter was causing me to dislike people I've never met. And it was even causing me to dislike people I actually know some of whom used to be my friends. Rather than say anything about why I was leaving on Twitter, I just deleted my account. That, that sounds like a uh, subtweet about Brett. Yeah, it's definitely, that's definitely a him. It's a, it's a, I'm sad that I broke up with Brett subtweet for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, Sam Harris has been like, you know, crying in the shower playing Taylor Swift, lamenting his uh, friendship with Brett Weinstein and uh, their IDW co occupancy. That's uh, that. Now I think we're drifting into the narcissism element. That That's a very big uh, Brett subtweet. So, yeah, maybe. Oh God, I'm trying to be charitable to the man, but now, now he's, he's making it hard. <laughs> so <clears throat> the other thing is if, if you, if you know people or whatever in real life, and then all of a sudden you're on a platform where every goddamn thought that comes into their mind comes out on the platform, you might actually find out that the people you've been hanging out with, having beers with or whatever it is you do with them are kind of shitty. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's very possible. I don't think he's ever had the real life hangouts though. And he might be, uh, taking Twitter interaction for like an online equivalent of hanging out in real life. And it is very much not that right. Like I wonder when they were doing their shows together in person, like were they spending the day together, like hanging out or was he, was he spending a, week, a weekend with the Weinsteins? Like, <laughs> yeah, Brett, Oh, Sam Harris, third wheels for Brett and Heather. Oh God. That is the most cursed, uh, content idea. God forbid they vlogged that and posted that. Oh, 
the the horrid nature of watching you know the three of them walk into a restaurant and brett debating the fucking host for 10 minutes on what the best table is for the purposes of evolution you know <laughs> i evolution has dictated me that i sit in a booth in a corner like oh god that's just, it, that, if they actually did that that just sounds like one of the most uh unpleasant experiences a third party could ever witness and you he mentioned at the beginning that he uh that he you know, canceled his Twitter account on Thanksgiving. Do you think he spent Thanksgiving dinner talking to his wife and kids about how he was about to cancel his Twitter account? <laughs> that sounds like his wife was like, Sam, you need to get off the internet and come spend time with your family. What are you doing? Like, it's it's uh, it's me and the kids or your Twitter account, you pick. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I bet, though? I bet he's probably a pretty good dad. Yeah, sure. I mean, better than the likes of Brett. That much I know. Yeah, yeah. that story where Brett was like, oh, you broke your arm. Well, it'll heal by itself. I was like, oh, my God. And we're, we're going to put your uh, your bone healing to the evolutionary test. No medicine for you. <laughs> anyway, here's, here's the next one. When I left Twitter, I wasn't seeing that much hate directed at me because I had blocked so many people. I used to never block people. But when I discovered that the platform had become basically unusable, I installed a browser extension that allowed me to block thousands of haters at once. <laughs> oh, God. What extension is that? Like, who who even... Of course, he's never going to tell you, but like, Jesus. Now, now we're getting back into the narcissism where, you know... Twitter was actually going halfway decent because they've blocked half the platform already. Then why did you leave? It reminds me of this famous quote by this chemtrails lady we make fun of, and I have it here on the soundboard. I'm block happy. I must have two, three thousand people blocked on my Facebook page. <laughs> that's like what he. That's like what he was doing there, right? He was like, "I." What do you mean? You block thousands of people with a, with an extension? That's like the. That's like a here, here's this extension that makes Twitter not work anymore because you just block everybody. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's like it really depends on the user, right? For for somebody like Sam Harris, you know, straight white male, yeah, he doesn't need shit like that. For someone like a trans person, yeah, they kind of need something like that. So it's less about the utility of the extension and more about like why does Sam think he needs that? Which goes back to because he's upset that people say he has bad opinions on Twitter, right? And it's okay actually if people think you have bad opinions on twitter i think he was mostly mad that it was like other influential people that were saying it yeah it hurt a lot more when uh, his his co-workers his uh, alleged friends his fake friends brett weinstein fake friend uh broke up with him and that that hurt more than any other random hater he could block with a browser extension right right and to be fair i think sam was the one who initiated the breakup because he did that ask me anything episode where someone just asked about it but then i was like kind of annoyed because sam wasn't just like oh that guy's turned into like a conspiracy theorist and i'm you know my brand is such that it's a very bad idea for me to just kind of stay here in this space with this guy if i'm not going to push back because he's like i don't want to debate him yeah sam didn't want to call a spade a spade in the spirit of not you know completely burning the bridge in the event that brett somehow had some sort of redemption arc where he stopped being an anti-vax piece of shit and they were able to you know make content together again so that was sam basically it was like a soft breakup you know like i can't do this anymore look at what you're making me do brett i have to do this in the event that you get your shit together then we'll talk 
Yep. Well, here's our next clip of Sam. I had probably blocked 50,000 people on Twitter in my last week on the platform. Whoa! It was like a digital genocide. Whoa! I was seeing an especially idiotic or vicious tweet directed at me, and I would block everyone who had liked it. And at the time, I thought, well, this is brilliant. Anyone who liked that tweet is by definition beyond reach. There is no reason why these people ever need to hear from me again. And I certainly don't need to hear from them. And it basically worked. So I wasn't seeing most of the hate that was being directed at me. I was seeing some of it, but it was totally manageable. But then I asked myself, how did I become the sort of person who is blocking people by the thousands who just happened to like a dumb tweet? My suggestion is that you were always that person, Sam. Oh, he's always that person. And God, the, the rhetoric he has to use, like he, he literally based, he might as well have said, I built a digital uh, echo gas chamber to do a genocide in like Jesus, man, tone it down. It's Twitter. Like this isn't a genocide. You're just blocking people on social media. It's not that bad. I mean, the 50,000 in a week is an alarming thing to say about yourself, right? Yeah, literally, like, so many people don't like the things I have to say, I have to block them all out. He he described how he wants an echo chamber without actually saying it. Right, but of course, he's there, he is not a part of any tribe. Well, and that's why that 50,000 a week, that frequency was probably going to, you know, if he was still on Twitter, uh, that frequency was still probably going to maintain itself. It was still going to be tens of thousands a week because nobody fucking wants to own Sam Harris. Like, nobody wants to... Uh, be associated with him. Things are now such that a lot of the, the Brett types and the other IDW members are a lot farther to the right than he is and everybody to the left of him recognizes that he's a grifter who's given a lot of people on the right a platform and a presence. So, you know, Sam Harris hoisted by his own petard. Yeah, it's 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 real interesting. Even in Even in this, he's sort of painting himself like almost as a victim of his own behavior in a way. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where like the, the narcissism question comes in, you know, is this a, what was me introspection or is this a genuine, like, Oh yeah, maybe I, I kind of set the stage for some of this to happen. Probably the former if, if we're being real, but it would be nice if it was the latter. Cause again, that, that would be progress. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. And people in chat are saying that we're pretty sure that they're pretty sure that he's coming back. Like some people are like, he's coming back because the account's not gone. Right. It's just deactivated. So who knows? Who knows? I'm, I'm just curious. Like, like, did he delete it in a fit of rage? Like he's, he's not saying like, what is my, like if he took time out of his Thanksgiving with his family to delete it, he probably <laughs> was pretty fucking pissed off about something. Right. Yeah, there's there's no context as to what the inciting event, you know, the, the straw that broke the camel's back actually was. And if we're talking about the possibility of him coming back, if he actually does, that's when you know it was all just like vague posting. It's like a teenager posting on Facebook, like, I'm upset. And then people are like, okay, Sam, why are you upset? And I don't want to talk about it. Well, I'm just going to deactivate my Twitter. Okay, dude, see you in a month. Like, that's that's kind of the attitude that most people would have towards him because he's just doing it for attention at that point. If he comes back, then you know it's all just part of the same narcissistic bullshit. 
just this is out of line with his prior behavior he's never done anything like this before so we kind of have to keep both possibilities in mind i mean even dave rubin does this better dave rubin's like i'm going off the grid for a month i'm taking a month off yeah my my brain needs to recover from all these high level ideas i can't use computers because it hurts so much see you in a month although you know dave rubin really has some introspection to do since you know nobody wants to uh, show up to his weddings and you know, acknowledged his uh, sexual orientation, but um, you know, beyond that, it's not a tactic that's uncommon in the IDW. It's more that like Sam, if he's using it, it's his first time using it, and that's why it's kind of catching us off guard a little bit. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, like I said, I I don't. You know, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm capable of reading this guy's mind. I think there's a whole lot of fucking weird shit going on in this guy's mind, but probably. <clears throat> But I don't know. I mean, if he found it, like if he's telling the truth here where he just found himself being angry all the time and left Twitter, I mean, that's a good reason as any to leave Twitter, honestly. Yeah. And, you know, I guess time will tell if he actually makes a return. Um, his rhetoric around it, I think, is a little bombastic, uh, which makes me lean towards more of a you know, social media ploy, so to speak. But um, we'll see. Well, let's see what he's got next here. I've also heard that many people are interpreting my leaving Twitter as an act of protest over what Elon is doing to the platform, in particular his reinstating of Trump. It really wasn't that. I I do think Elon made some bad decisions right out of the gate, and Twitter did get noticeably worse, at least for me. But I'm actually agnostic as to whether he will eventually be able to improve the platform. I doubt he'll ever solve the problem I was having, but he might make Twitter better for many people, and he might make it a viable business. He certainly has the resources to keep at it, even if advertisers abandon Twitter for years. So my leaving Twitter wasn't some declaration that I know or think I know that Elon will fail to make Twitter better than it currently is. I have no idea what's going to happen to Twitter. Rather, the lesson I was drawing from Elon was not that he was making Twitter worse by making capricious changes to it. The lesson was how one of the most productive people of my generation was needlessly disrupting his own life and damaging his reputation by his addiction to Twitter. One of the most productive people in my lifetime. See, like, <clears throat> one of the problems, and, and I think maybe it's just possibly because Sam was born into more money than most of us are ever going to see in our lives, is that he might equate uh, wealth with pr- productivity. Oh yeah, he's absolutely leaving out. I mean, I think th- this was in reference to Elon, right? Yeah, yeah. So he he's leaving out the whole uh, emerald mine apartheid and you know stock market money reinvestment component uh, from that entire equation. But again, like it, it's funny now that he's trying to talk about Elon and kind of dick ride him a little bit. Uh, he had to sneak in like, well, I don't know if he's going to be able to fix my problems on Twitter. Elon's not going to be able to find every single person who doesn't like me and remove them. And ultimately, he just kind of made the point that without saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah, Elon made Twitter a very nice space for like Nazis and other crazy uh, right wingers. And it's gotten noticeably worse for anybody who does not fit that uh, description. And especially for those who are inclined to maybe report on it or speak out about it, be a little more vocal than just not liking it. Yeah. And 
you know, he doesn't really articulate this in at least that uh, clip in terms of rationale, but you know, in the event that Sam Harris in a post Elon Twitter says something that people don't like the degree that those crazy right wingers are present on the platform increases the likelihood that like somebody's going to go dox him, find out where he lives, hurt his family, uh, hurt his kids, which is a very distinct possibility. So maybe that was part of his, uh, at least hiatus calculus. Yeah. And you know, I, uh, the thing is, he's a popular enough public figure that I would be willing to bet that it would be trivial to find his address. Now, I'm not saying I don't want you listening to this or watching this to go look for the man's address. The man has a right to live somewhere without you fucking knowing where he lives, I think. But um, I agree. But uh, I think that Sam likes his racism with a good amount of academic window dressing on it. Yeah, and it's uh, it's harder to maintain that window dressing when you have a bunch of you know uh, Zoomer Nazis in your replies just saying like, oh, well, why won't you say the N word? Say it out loud, Sam. Stop beating around the bush. Like they're gonna continually goad him into being as deranged as they are when he knows in order to grift, you have to have the uh, you know the scientific facade over it, which is you know going back to the whole Murray thing uh, among others. So. I don't know, maybe there's a business calculus uh, component in his decision-making that, like, yeah, it's going to be harder for me to do that because there's a lot of people now just saying the quiet part out loud because Elon's allowing them to do it. Right, and so, you know, if you were to have another race science person on or whatever and then post about it in Twitter, a lot of the comments would be, like, you know, 1350 and that kind of of stuff. And he, he may or may not agree with the whatever they're calling the statistics there, but I'm, he certainly finds the tone distasteful. Yeah. And that's, that's more of an indictment of how intellectually dishonest he is than anything else, because he, he would condone that if it was uh, more formal, you know, if people were uh, expounding in paragraphs upon FBI crime statistics to be incredibly racist, instead of just dropping a, a number, a numerical dog whistle immediately, and then moving on to the next tweet to do the same thing, you know, coming from, uh, you know, come Hitler 1488, dropping a 1350 and Sam Harris's fucking replies and then leaving. That's not that's not conducive to Sam Harris's presence in his grift. Right. It doesn't work because he's the reason he's like the reasonable race science believer or whatever. Yeah, you know, we're we're just having a discussion. We're we're debating science. Don't you want to talk about the science? You know, aren't we supposed to trust it? Here's a bunch of science. Like that's that's how he goes about crafting these discussions and crafting that presence. But now every one of these crazy weirdos on Twitter is just flying in opposition to any form of academic anything at all because it's becoming increasingly unhinged and that that's not going to be good for uh, Sam's continued uh, content creation. And I mean, not for nothing after he had Murray on, right? He didn't invite someone in Murray's more like general space to come on and talk to him about the claims Murray made. He had uh, a journalist on Ezra, Ezra Klein to talk about it. And Ezra did a great job. I'm not a big Ezra Klein fan, but uh, he was able to sit there and politely respond while Sam more or less told him the whole time that, oh, you don't believe what you're saying. You're here in bad faith. You know, these are all just insults when it when when it comes down to it. And it just kind of just washed off Ezra where somebody else might be like, well, you know, fuck you (laughs) like. Right. Well, and that's the, the virtue of that discussion he had with Ezra is that, you know, Ezra was able to 
you know, take advantage of that, uh, you know, pseudo academic window dressing and the tone policing component of it where it's like, well, yeah, here we have to have an intellectual discussion about how your discussion with him was entirely in bad faith and you're being, you know, manipulated and, uh, you're, you're using debunked outdated, uh, notions of race and biology to say these things. Like, do you realize what you're doing? You know, somebody actually had to give him more good faith than he ever deserved. And it still made him flounder around like a child. Yeah, somebody in chat, uh, Lisa was saying was saying that uh, Sam was saying basically that Archie Bunker racists are no big deal, but that means that Sam doesn't even understand that television show. <laughs> like the the joke was Archie Bunker and how behind the times he was. That was why it was funny. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like when you're lost in the sauce, you you you're entirely. Uh, agnostic to that uh, to that humor <laughs> it's just a sign of how uh, how I guess I, I don't want to like invoke the word dishonest again but he he's just so like stuck to the script that he, he can't deviate from it at all to um, say that when people are like, oh yeah no, you're, you're just platforming a bunch of Archie Bunker racists it's like ah oh, well it's fine whatever it's just kind of uh, trying to ignore it, brute force it, and move past it when it's like, no, you, you kind of can't, Sam. That, that's why it was good for Ezra to at least offer pushback. Yeah, and the the, <clears throat> the other people who did a good job with him, I think, were Kara Swisher and Chris Cavanaugh. Both did a pretty good job with him. Yeah, but you know, I think when we kind of contextualize all those discussions, too, like you have people who are actually capable of you know having that discussion with him. Did any of that kind of factor into this calculus too? Assuming this is genuine and not in the spirit of you know narcissistic uh, online uh, uh, content creation slash uh, emoting, you know, assuming his intentions are genuine behind deleting his Twitter, maybe some of those discussions are still living in his head, and maybe some of that's now actually starting to uh, make a difference. It just you know a very delayed onset difference but still a difference yep uh, this potentially next one, this next one's a little bit longer but we can, we can just sit through it in in uh, sure. depressed sad bored silence and we should probably address <laughs> the free speech issue briefly there's a lot more to say about this but before i left twitter i was noticing that people seemed really confused about what i believe about free speech and twitter being twitter it proved impossible for me to clear up that confusion. Many seem to think that I used to support free speech unconditionally, like when I was defending cartoonists against Islamist censors and their dupes on the left. But now I somehow don't support it, because I supposedly have Trump derangement syndrome. Well, first, I've always acknowledged that there's an interesting debate to be had about the role that social media plays in our society. And I'm not going to resolve that debate here by myself. But the fact is, no one has a constitutional right to be on Twitter. In my view, the logic of the First Amendment runs in the opposite direction. It protects Twitter's new owner, Elon, from compelled speech. The government shouldn't be able to force Elon to put Alex Jones back on the platform, any more than it should be able to force me to put Alex Jones on my podcast. Of course, I get that social networks and podcasts are different, but Twitter simply isn't the public square. It is a private platform, and Elon can do whatever he wants with it. 
If we want to change the laws around that, well, then we have to change the laws. I understand and fully support the political primacy of free speech in America. And I'd like the American standard to be the global norm. That's why I think there shouldn't be laws against Holocaust denial or the expression of any other idiotic idea. And the First Amendment protects this kind of speech, at least in the United States. But there also shouldn't be a law, in my view, that prevents a digital platform from having a no-Nazis policy in its terms of service. Because these platforms need effective moderation and standards of civility to function. They are businesses started by entrepreneurs, supported by investors who want to make money. They have employees with mortgages. They have to survive on ad revenue or subscriptions or some combination of the two. Without serious moderation, digital platforms become like 4chan, which is nothing more than a digital sewer. I'm told that even 4chan has a moderation policy. 4chan does have a moderation policy. They don't let you, for example, post illegal imagery um, of children, for example, because the people that run 4chan eventually go to jail if they're hosting that stuff. Because you become complicit if you don't get rid of it. You are now the one distributing it. Exactly. Most of that was surprisingly salient I, I, coming from him. I mean, he, I think he's right when it comes to, um, of course, what platforms can and can't do. Obviously, you know, Twitter is a private platform. It can do whatever the hell it wants. Elon can do whatever the hell he wants with it, uh, for better or worse. And he also makes the point that if Elon runs it into the ground, nobody's going to want to be there and it's all going to fall apart. Because, like 4chan, if you let Nazis and illegal imagery and other horrible, distasteful things run amok, then nobody's going to be part of that fucking platform as a, as a user. But it's also weird that he had to juxtapose that with, like, yeah, I think you should actually be able to do hate speech as much as you want. Like... <laughs> Uh, okay, just not on Twitter then. Like you're you're acknowledging that you know somebody. Could, sure, I guess uh, maybe that's consistent. You know, you could ha advocate for the right for any any old Joe schmo to walk outside and you know utter a slur if they felt like it. But they don't have any constitutional right to do that on a private platform. So I guess that position ultimately is a consistent one. It's just one that's going to incense literally a decent chunk of his audience and everybody on the right, because that's their their fewer right now with Twitter is that, you know, the libtards banned everybody that we like, you know, bring back Babylon B and Alex Jones. And again, I mean, more public pushback towards those people than I would have expected from Sam. The other thing that people that gets kind of left out of this is if you go into the public square, like literally like the city center with a megaphone and say some of the racist, hateful things that people go on Twitter and say, there will in fact be real world consequences for that. Eventually. Um, you know, we don't advocate violence around here. Um, you know, and if somebody, if you're going out with a megaphone and saying that stuff and somebody comes up and punches you in the nose, that person can and should be arrested because you shouldn't use violence in public unless you're defending yourself. But on Twitter, that, that just isn't there. The, the, the consequence is I will lose my Twitter account maybe. Um, and so people are going to moderate their speech more in the public square, just on the off chance that they catch someone catch someone on the wrong day and somebody's just like i've had enough of this shit every time i come 
you know, come to catch the bus. This guy's out here yelling the N word. So today is not the day, you know, <laughs> like, <sighs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh God. Like it, it, it's wild to me that, um, when, 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 when Sam says all of that, it's, it's devoid of, again, I, I guess when I've been talking about Sam's introspection, there's a couple of steps he's not taking in relation to what uh, what you said, right? Like that notion that things that people say on Twitter have real life consequences. You know, Twitter definitely pre Elon and now especially post Elon is an absolutely massive vehicle for stochastic terrorism. And if we're to sort of like reflect on the history of the platform, it wouldn't be a far fetched idea to say that Sam Harris's Islamophobia, his platforming of race science, has absolutely contributed to uh, people having those god awful beliefs and citing it as you know components of a manifesto or uh, rationale for engaging in violent acts in the real world. So it, it's almost interesting that that's div- uh, not present in his analysis of you know the the utility of the platform. Maybe he addresses it later uh, in the episode. But um, like you said, there there's this like disconnect between the consequences for him on Twitter, where you know I have to block haters, and the consequences for everybody else on Twitter because of people like him, where it's like I go to a nightclub and I get shot. So right. you know, there, there's a very big disconnect. I, I'm not sure if Sam will ever realize that. Speaking of which, I wonder when the last time Sam was at a night nightclub or a rave was. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wonder when the last time the man like had fun instead of just being terminally online while blocking half of online. Yeah, it's it's you know the the history of Twitter. You you had mentioned stochastic terrorism. I mean, we can go. We don't even have to like talk about now we can talk about even pre-trump right just think about gamergate and all those women who had to move one two three times because people were literally showing up at their house to continue the online harassment but to do it in person like and twitter was a vehicle for that they eventually shut it down but it it, reddit shut down gamergate before uh, twitter did and at that point reddit was considered more the wild west at that point reddit was like where you go when you're too old for 4chan right like pretty much yeah that was the it was the stepping stone and then people realized reddit was just like a recycled content aggregator and went to the source uh, one of those big sources twitter right. so it was, it was that natural transition like you were on 4chan like the really old days of the internet you age out of that shit you figure out that hey you know saying slurs online is actually a bad thing and you, you should do that then you go to reddit just be like all right give me some fucking cats like show me a cute cat video and then you realize that oh yeah some funny memes oh they're coming from twitter well let me go there and find all these people who have these interesting opinions and who are like making memes and shit and then you get the pipelines and almost uh, horseshoe you right back in where it's like, oh, okay, here's a Twitter user who has a YouTube channel who's going to send you back to Rumble and 4chan and 8chan and all those other fucking awful places. You know, it, it's kind of this weird, like, uh, drift. You're, you're just doing this, like, a full-speed content drift all the way around the racetrack. You know, I feel like as social media came to be, there wasn't, none of the platforms were just like, well, no, you can't just say racist things on here, right? None of them did that. And I feel like there, if you could go back in time, if I could go back in time with some venture capital right around the time that Twitter started, I would have started something where there were like clear terms of service. Where like, you 
debate all you want, but as soon as you start, as soon as people start reporting you for racism, we're going to take a look at what you're posting. And if what you're posting is racist, oh, you're not on our website anymore. Sorry about that. You yeah, actual genuine with, moderation. Yeah, you can go to Facebook with your with your with your racism, and it would have been like a, it would have taken a while. It, they wouldn't it wouldn't have grown as fast. But I think at this point now, it would have been a place where all the normies hang out, and most people are normies, and they have money and they spend it like. Yeah, and that's ultimately, uh, you know, we can link that back to uh, failings of capitalism, right? The, the the profit motive is so focused on the short term, you know, it's my money and I want it now, that there's no foresight or any thought like that to where, you know, there, there's no intent on building something that's sustainable. And part of sustainability for an online platform is moderating the content and getting the you know, Nazi fuckers off your website. And if you don't do that, then eventually the house of cards you've constructed is going to fall apart and nobody wants to be there anymore. And this is the exact situation that's playing out. I mean, 4chan had a giant uh, drop in users, especially after you know, the 2016 election where they you know, were kind of joking. Oh yeah, we memed a racist president into office for fun. And people were like well shit this is actually kind of fucked up because people are about to get hurt so uh i'm i'm not going to be here anymore and now it's just an absolute cesspool and you can rinse and repeat that for a lot of the uh other smaller you know image boards and other unsavory places online but yeah that would have been the true long-run sustainability of a social media platform would have been once you know the the bubble was forming so to speak get in on the ground floor moderate the shit out of your platform and then people will actually want to be there and that's kind of why a lot of people have flocked to mastodon in some circumstance because the dude who owns it is just like yeah dude i don't i don't like nazi shit i ban it no nazis here other technical issues uh, exist with that place but at the very least it's refreshing to see somebody who runs a website being like yeah fuck nazis i don't want well, them on my platform not for nothing if you and i were of the uh, of the racist persuasion we could in fact just put up our own server the problem is all the other servers in the that are federated would be like oh these this server's full of racists yeah oh, they well, see we're not, it we're not going people on this server we're, we're you can't join it you can't be part of the network that we're part of actually you're not on we've removed your server from our network um you know we have our uh, own mastodon instance it's kind of fun like learning how to learning how to run it we haven't had moderation issues because it's a lot of people from our chat and people who <clears throat> you know we already know kind of and it's probably not going to get popular or whatever but if it does we'll run into moderation problems like everybody else of course <laughs> but i think i think me and hk are you know fairly fairly consistent and fairly fairly convinced that we sort of know what's okay for like the people that we've invited to our space like what's going to keep them safe and the other thing i want to like touch on before we get to this next clip i've only got a couple left here um is that sam didn't and they, they, a lot of these people will do this he's like oh there should be a civility there should be like any it's the focus on tone and to the exclusion of a focus on payload. And so it's like, it's one of the problems that, you know, a lot of queer and black people actually deal with on social media is somebody says some racist shit and you're like, Hey, go fuck yourself. You racist piece of shit. And now you're in the pokey, even though that person was posted some like incredible, like something with an incredibly racist payload. <laughs> I remember yeah, it's, David, it's the old... David Fuller, this guy, David Fuller had a, had uh, Aaron Rabinowitz from Embrace the Void on and some guy who used to run a BBS in the 80s to talk about content moderation. And 
and I'm not kidding. It's he, the guy who ran the well and the guy who ran the well was talking about this. Well, we need to have civility rules, civility rules. And Aaron was eventually like, what about rules about payload? What about rules about what's actually being said? And the guy's like, no, 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 civility, civil, the rules about civility and tone. He's like, that's important. That's the only thing you can really, you can only really police on the, uh, on your platform. He's like, otherwise you're, you know, you're moderating wrong or I forget what he was saying, but you know, it was like a very antiquated way to talk about it. Basically from a time when uh, people involved in message boards were like rich white guys who could afford a modem and a computer that could connect to the network. Whereas now everyone, everyone can connect. And so it's just a bit different. So yeah, well, and that, that formula you exactly describe is how you run any social media platform into the ground if it's solely focused on civility, because people will find creative ways around that. They'll just post imagery. Like, they, you know, you have to actually moderate content, not just tone, because if people don't even use words, then, okay, they're abiding by your civility rules. They're not talking. They're just posting pictures. They're going to post, you know, racist, bigoted meme compilations, because that's how the discourse works these days. And, you know, all sorts of links to all of their weird manifestos offsite in different places and uh, there's no breach of civility there but it massively radicalizing people and making the problem worse it's wild that people don't see that like it's almost kind of an offshoot of you know academic tone policing which goes back to sam harris and how his only criticisms are how people are saying mean things dunking on him hating on him how he has to block fifty thousand haters a day it's because they they sound mean and they're being rude, not because they're calling out his bad takes and his bad content. So it ultimately, I think it's just a, an artifact of how people like him want to carry themselves when that's not how online presence works anymore. And a lot of the actual you know, academics that I alluded to earlier who are kind of taking refuge off Twitter, that's a big thing that, you know, they're upset that, you know, things that they said, perhaps in not the best words are being misconstrued because uh, people aren't necessarily being charitable. And now they have haters and people in their replies calling them uh, COVID minimizers, this, that, and whatever. It's like, did you take a look at what you actually fucking said? Did you actually revisit your content or are you just upset that people are being mean to you? Like do some introspection first before throwing stones at other people. And the other thing is it's if, if, if people really did just get you wrong, you just go, Hey, I think everybody has me wrong. I think I know why here's the wording that I used That was probably wrong. I meant to say this. And uh, I hope you believe me that that's what I meant to say, because I can't convince you otherwise, if you don't believe me and then you just let it go. Yeah exactly and people never let it go they latch onto it like their life depends on it it's personal you know if three people on twitter don't like me and they they call me names and call me a covid minimizer or whatever the fuck then my life is ruined i have no more serotonin i'm depressed in real life i can't do my job right like it's just twitter it's the internet like touch grass please stop why are you like this you know people like us who've been on the internet for a while have that healthier relationship with it and a lot of people who've like rediscovered it or bolstered their presence because of things like the pandemic they're now just going through this it, it's it's like watching them go through some sort of social media puberty and it's really awkward it is very awkward let's get on to this next clip here we got four more my argument for keeping people like Trump and Alex Jones off Twitter is a terms of service argument and directly follows from the deliberate harm they both caused on the platform in the past. Here are two men 
who knowingly used Twitter to inspire their most rabid followers to harass specific people, not just on Twitter, but out in the world. The fact that they might not have tweeted, please go harass this person, is immaterial. They knew exactly what would happen when they singled out specific American citizens for abuse and spread lies about them at scale to a fanatical mob. They could see the results of their actions. For years, people were getting doxxed and stalked and having their lives ruined for years. Nothing about this was hidden. Elon apparently agrees with me about Alex Jones and said he would never let him back on the platform. But he doesn't agree about Trump. You know why Elon doesn't want to let Alex Jones back on Twitter? (laughs) Why is that? Because Elon has seen Alex Jones shit on Elon on InfoWars for the last 10 years. You know, that's actually a connection I never really made. I didn't realize Alex Jones was a, a big Elon hater. Is what is he part of the uh, the the child traffickers? What what what's the uh, what's the Alex Jones take on him? It's that it's he's like part of the global elite. It's probably uh, that Elon d- d- believes in climate change. He's you know it's it's always oh, they're going to make you drive a little electric car. All you're going to have is electric cars. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I'm not that far off of, like, what Alex said. Oh, yeah, you're probably pretty close. That's, oh, God, that's just the, the sad part. It's like, there's shit tons of people dunking on Teslas right now. Like, everybody's making jokes about Teslas, you know, running over kids and spontaneously combusting. You know, Elon has no problem with that unless you hit the magic words or you at him and then he'll ban you or suspend you or make you delete it. But, like this is just typical alex jones like he logs on he jq posts he asks the jewish question constantly because that's his that's his thing and then he just rinses and repeats every day like if elon's this you know free speech and comedy are now legal again and this is what america's all about that's just massive hypocrisy because he's the subject of the conspiracy theorizing like you said and he doesn't want to let him back because that means uh, that's one big platform uh, one big person with a big platform who's being really mean to elon right and i don't know if it's just that i mean he may he you know these elon's nobody is a completely bad person or whatever right and elon might just be like that sandy like he might just be like i don't want that smoke after those after those uh verdicts just dropped against alex jones why do i want that smoke i've got enough problems as it is right now like uh, i mean he he elon kind of likes some smoke i mean he is trying to bait trump into tweeting again you know he he let the I don't want to use the word mastermind uh, facilitator of an insurrection against the government back on the platform. I think Alex Jones is small potatoes compared to uh, a former president who tried to manipulate his supporters into killing the speaker of the house. So, and the you know, vice president I, and the vice president. Oh yeah. I forgot about, uh, forgot about Pence. I don't love him, but I'm glad those people didn't kill him. You know? I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> It would have been poetic justice if it happened because he also has stoked the flames but i don't i'm not in favor of anybody storming the government to kill anybody in current times that that's generally a bad thing right so you know all of that to say i think elon is more than okay with smoke i think that was kind of a ploy for advertisers i think they would have 
plead at a much faster rate of someone like Alex Jones, who, like you said, had those massive verdicts come down against him, was immediately let back on. And that's kind of why he's slow walking a lot of awful, awful personalities back on. I know like a couple of prominent white nationalists just came back uh, in the last day or two while you know, leftists are getting banned. So it's, it's a gradual thing to kind of lull the advertisers into some perceived sense of security when in reality you know half of them have left and god knows what the other half are thinking right now what i noticed too is that for a while it seemed like elon wanted to be friends with like normal celebrities right he was dating grimes going to kind of parties (sighs) he shouldn't have been at that one with the epstein but like it seemed like he was trying to get into that normal celebrity like space and yeah yeah and they don't those people actually don't like him so so now it's he wants to be friends with yeah. Ian Miles Chong or something instead or like you know Yeah, let me hang out with Chaya Raichik, Libs of TikTok and a Singaporean right winger and Ian Miles wrong. So, you know, it, it's funny like we we talk about the IDW and I think you touch on something really uh, not talked about very much with elon he he yearns for that uh, hollywood celebrity status like he he has celebrity because he's the richest man in the world not because of his personality or his opinions right he's gotten to that position solely through you know brute force of his finances and all of the labor he's exploited to get there and now that he's you know come to this position of prominence and there's not you know unquestioning worship of his public presence and there's a shit ton of pushback against him that hurts right his uh his wives plural have left him uh grimes went to go date a trans person and bradley manning and one of elon's children i think is actually trans or sorry yeah chelsea freudian slip um yeah grimes and chelsea manning are dating now which is awesome just because of how much it pisses off elon and um well one of elon's kids i think if i remember correctly is trans and changed their last name to get rid rid of his name yeah yeah and like this is all pushback on elon's shitty personality because i think he's a shitty person generally speaking so he's almost doing this as revenge it's almost like you know i'm going to take the one thing you enjoy dunking me on twitter and ruin it because you all say mean things about me and i'm not this you know respected hollywood style uh, style personality like all of the other uh folks in the public sphere are right it's just like he wanted to be like tony stark who's not a real person and it turns out that he's howard hughes who is a real who was a real person yeah yeah, he, he wants the adulation. I mean, I think uh, this goes back to um, when you came on our stream where we talked about, like, what's the what's the background of a lot of these people from the IDW? And a big component is, like, failed celebrity, like, right. failed Hollywood aspirant. You know, they wanted to be, like, Ben Shapiro wanted to be a screenwriter and a singer, a theater kid, and now here he is. You know, a, a lot of these people, and I think Elon absolutely is included in that. They, they wanted the the adoration that comes with being a celebrity and they lash out with all that they have when they don't get it It just turns out elon has a lot of money to push around to lash out in ways that are more harmful than uh, what other people are capable of so when he said he was going to buy twitter one of the things that i said is i was like hey you know i think he's going to use twitter if he buys it because remember when he bought it it was like immediately he was trying to unbuy it because he paid like three times what it was worth because he's a brilliant business person (laughs) But I was like, he's going to use it the way he uses it now. He he uses it to abuse and harass his critics and to manipulate the, the stock price of Tesla. But the problem is, after he bought it, 
he's, you know, to some extent, maybe, maybe he is banning people that are his critics that we're not hearing about, but not any high profile critics, right? It's not like he's banned Cory Doctorow or Kara Swisher or Scott Galloway or, you know, any of the sort of tech literati or whatever who, who, but we don't know, are there smaller accounts with 40,000 that are just all of a sudden locked out because they tweet about like what's going on, like with him or with Tesla. And the problem is he is no longer going to be able to use it to manipulate Tesla stock because the investor class is now like, they're not interested in him and everything he does on there is actually probably doing harm to the value of Tesla as a, as a company, at least on the, the, the stock market value of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you, you illustrated it perfectly. You know, this is, this is his MO and it's gone unnoticed beneath the surface for all the time until he bought Twitter. And now that people have a very public facing example of how he runs all these businesses, Tesla, SpaceX, uh, what have you, now people know how he actually does all of this, uh, uses all of these things as platform for personal branding, for monetary gain, and not actually for any you know, genuine reason to, to help people or improve the planet. And that's one resulted in the Tesla stock price absolutely cratering. But two, like you said, he branded himself as, you know, this uh, 5,000 IQ galaxy brain business person. And the Twitter executives, when he was trying to buy them out as kind of like a meme, they locked him into it. They said, all right, fucker, we're calling your bluff. 44 billion. It is. Let's go pony up. Like, give us the money. You're locked into this contract now. Uh, Let's make it happen. And so Elon, not wanting to look the fool, bought the place and now it turns out he might as well have just thrown that 44 billion into an incinerator because twitter itself is on fire so tesla like a tesla literally twitter is burning like one of elon's cars just spontaneously combusted because of elon's actions so the smart the smart like tech business people whose podcasts i listen to they all say that he was terrified of a deposition and that's why he uh went through with the he was terrified of discovery and a deposition because in a deposition, you don't have an army of like weirdos in the comments defending you, right? <laughs> like, it's, just, it's just you, your lawyer, maybe like some kind of mediator person, a camera and the, the opposing lawyer, and they're asking you questions and you are more or less obligated to answer those questions. <laughs> and so I would love, I would love to see somebody uh, redo that Simpsons meme where it's a somebody jumping in the line of fire to protect apu you know weird nerds jumping in the line of fire to protect elon musk in a deposition just you know making that meme uh in a actual like a conference room where he's being deposed jesus i mean that really makes you wonder what does he not want people to hear about i just don't think he wants to i mean he was going to be asked tough questions it might not have been anything specific it might have just been that Mm, there's fair that you know what i mean like nobody's perfect and a deposition could crack the facade if the if the, right. if if he answers things honestly in ways that are like contrary to what he's been saying publicly about his companies about like what he's doing like if just if you did you catch any of the Alex Jones deposition stuff like Alex not being bit, able yeah. to do what he does on his show during a deposition it just it wrecked him it absolutely wrecked him and those depositions are probably why the judgments were so high yeah, because you're forced to be your genuine self. You can't play a character in a deposition. You know, that that's uh, a pretty 
Interesting thought I never really had with respect to Elon, and that I think only further underscores the brilliance of you know the, the Twitter board who forced him into that deal because that's a that's a catch twenty two for Elon, right? You if you don't want to do it, you get deposed and you get exposed as a fraud. You do it, you ruin the platform, you get exposed as a fraud, right? It's the same outcome either way. It's just you know the degree of destruction for everybody else is different, but for Elon, he was fucked either way, and that was only because his uh, his hubris. And his desire to be adored and respected by people, and his apparent desire to read the Babylon Bee, all got him uh, into the situation. And I mean, not for nothing, too. Like the you know the culture at Twitter before he got there was like you are you are you know among the engineers, particularly like engineers, like the the professional jobs there, right? Network security analysts, the systems administrators. Part of your job was questioning your leadership if you thought that you had a better solution to a problem, or that the leadership was going the wrong direction. So you've worked there four or five years and you've, you had good rapport with the leadership, even though you've been questioning them. Sometimes they even come to you and go, you know what? You were right. And I'm glad that we, I'm glad we went the other way. You and your colleagues kind of pushed us this other direction. And it was, you know, technically useful to us to go this other way. And now this, now some fucking maniac comes in here and goes, don't question anyone. And so the, you're just flipping the culture of this place on its head. You're telling these people that, That, you know, now your input isn't important. Just all of a sudden, one day, your job, that part of your job, like basically what your disposition towards leadership is supposed to be like changes one day. It's not a wonder to me that people like in middle management will like, well, well, fuck this. (laughs) What do you you mean? mean my, My, the people that work for me can't tell me I'm wrong. And then I can't tell my boss above me that the people that work for me think we have it wrong and we should think about that. What do you mean? And so that's yeah. like a, like a lot of people quit. The people I do feel bad for actually are a lot of the people there on visas because if yeah, they, don't, they don't have a choice. And with all the other people quitting Twitter, a lot of people with the same skill set as them are in the job market, but the new employer doesn't have to deal with the hassle of the visa. Right. Yeah. The the people on the H one B visas have hitched their uh, chances at citizenship in this country to Twitter because that's where they wind up getting jobs as engineers. Uh, the, the greater phenomenon that you describe in terms of like Elon's management style, that he he essentially showed his ass like the moment he got in the door with that, where he was like, Oh, I demand everybody to get their most 500 line, the uh, best 500 lines of code uh, printed out for me to review as if, you know, Elon understands anything about how fucking coding works. You know, that was, I think a sign that, he was just trying to clean house and, you know, a streamline or, you know, get rid of the people who did all of the, um, the, the censorship, you know, get rid of the people who banned the Babylon B and his, his favorite uh, right-wing personalities to make free speech and comedy legal again on Twitter. So that had a, a pretty big effect, I think, in terms of whether or not people stayed on for Elon's Twitter, because they're not going to want to be subjected to his bullshit. And there was a bunch of, um reading from where i don't remember i think this is probably ironically a twitter thread but he has acted like this at tesla and other places where essentially his employees are managing him kind of like how all of trump staffers were like you know trying to explain things in a trumpian fashion so that he'd understand things that were complicated you know just uh, making it seem like they accepted trump's ideas and then actually not doing them The, the same management style of handling a big personality a giant narcissist like trump 
all of the people working under Elon have had to do with him at Tesla, SpaceX, Boring Company, rinse and repeat. They've been doing that to him for years. So that's why there's a lot of friction on Twitter, because now the remaining Twitter employees are like, oh, Jesus, how do we fucking put up with his next request for me printing out 250 lines of code to do nothing with? You know, what is he doing? He's just acting like he's busy making it look like he's improving Twitter when all he's wanting to do is just shit post and read the Babylon Bee. And I mean, not for nothing either. If you're a software engineer, a lot of your job there isn't actually going to be writing new code you're going to be going back over old code fixing things streamlining some things you're not your job isn't to just write lines of code once you have this behemoth piece of software that you're working on now your job is to make it better and so you're not what do you mean lines of code i fixed this line of code i deleted this line of code because i don't know what it was doing there Uh, i replaced this line of code with this line of code because i thought it was a like better for this like how do you like that's what you're to think that they're that that's not what they're doing in there, like the workaday software engineers in there, to think that's not what they're doing is absurd because there's just so much software there already. I'm not a software engineer, but you don't even have to you don't have to know anything about about that to know that that's what they're doing. They're mostly fixing little problems that that, that maybe they even created themselves. Now they're better at their job and they're like, you know what? I can actually go back and fix this that I did one you know t- five years ago or four years ago. I think I can do this better, more efficiently, make this more secure that kind of stuff. And so like those people aren't going to have this big printout of code to show people, but those, <laughs> those are the, um, those are the, the people that those are the people, that's the stuff that was keeping it going and making it better on it, on it, like on a daily basis, people improving upon what was there. There's just no way that everybody there was just p- spitting out all this new code all the time, because then all of a sudden your the software would just be this absolute behemoth with like duplicated work. And it's just, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense so like give me your 250 best lines of code i would i would i would write i would write something else 250 lines of and present it to him yeah and everything you just described elon has no knowledge of that which is a depressing thought but um it further underscores how he doesn't understand how to run a business and run a private platform like a social media platform like twitter um, which goes back to kind of what Sam Harris was saying in terms of like, you know, Elon's made some mistakes and uh, you know he's kind of unsure as to whether or not Elon is going to actually make it work. He kind of intimated that Elon's vast wealth might allow him to, you know, forcibly you know, keep Twitter on life support for a while uh, before that eventually gets depleted or he's you know no longer satisfied with the project and, you know, allows somebody to help him recoup some of his losses and buy it from underneath him again. So he can continue being a shit heel somewhere else. But from, from Sam Harris's perspective, it's just like, okay. Yeah. Elon is probably making Twitter less tolerable for you, but you were also making Twitter less tolerable for everybody else long before Elon showed up, dude. Like, you you're also part of the problem here and don't don't frame this around you know what was me my wife made me delete twitter so i could eat turkey with the family so um we're gonna skip actually to the last uh, thing that i clipped and this is um something we've talked about when sam harris talks about conspiracism and conspiracy communities is that he just doesn't understand them and that's like what this last clip of him is going to i think illustrate I totally agree that having a pharmaceutical industry driven by bad incentives and windfall profits is dangerous and reduces public trust in medicine. I know that the lab leak hypothesis 
was always plausible and never racist. For the mRNA vaccine to change, depending on a person's age and sex and other factors. And I've spoken about most of these things many times on this podcast. But the deeper point is that all of this confusion and institutional failure does not even slightly suggest that we'll be able to navigate the next public health emergency with everyone just, quote, doing their own research and tweeting links at each other. And this is where I've been at odds with many people in the alternative media space. Rather than work to improve our institutions and identify real experts, it's like we're witnessing the birth of a new religion of contrarianism and conspiracy thinking. <laughs> new? This is all new, actually. Did you know that? We're witnessing the birth of something new here. This, this conspiracism, yeah. this, this contrarianism for its own sake to become popular is new. Like, like the way he's talking about it is like, like what was he doing? Like after 9-11, oh, he was busy hating on Muslims. That's right. He did, didn't even see the like giant conspiracy movement forming like right in front of his own two eyes because he was busy like talking, like posting that meme about science flies you to the moon and religion flies the plane into a building. Like that's, that's where he was at while the 9-11 truth movement was like basically the first like incarnation of a modern conspiracy movement where there were communities being built around it. And like minor cult leaders and the, the networks of different cult leaders were connected by them going on each other's radio shows. And then YouTube popped up and that that allowed these people to use each other's like following to increase their own. Like that never happened. He's like, we're witnessing a whole new thing here. Like, Jesus, Chris, there, there's so much wrong with that clip. Like, yeah, okay, Sam, COVID-19 conspiracies were the first conspiracies ever, really? Like, this is, the most of this clip was another Brett Weinstein subtweet. Like, right. he, he's calling Brett, you know, a cult leader. He, he's lumping him in. And if, while he's not wrong to some extent, like you said, you know, Sam, you were the one doing that with being a giant Islamophobe when you first got a, an online presence. So, again, you, you're you part of the foundation upon which Brett stands. But also, like, it, it's funny that he points out he decries conspiracy theorism in the same minute, in the same breath as saying, like, oh, yeah, the lab leak is totally fine. When all the scientists are like, what the fuck? Why do people still believe this? We ruled this out. We have evidence that rules it out. Stop being a weirdo lab leaker piece of shit. And Sam Harris cites that as the first thing. It's like, oh, yeah, it's totally viable. But, you know, that's good faith debate. Everything else is conspiracy. Like, the thing you just called good faith debate is a conspiracy. You can't proclaim that, you know, science is awesome and we should use it and not form, you know, religious cult followings because he has to recite all of these things through a religious lens because that's his shtick. You know, you can't in one breath say, cool, let's do science. Vaccines are fine. I like them. I get them. And on the other hand, say, oh, yeah, lab leak is totally possible. Like at this point in time, Sam, no, no, it's fucking not. And you're just so lost in the sauce. You have no perspective to uh, hear how stupid you sound. It's just an unreal amount of. See, now, now I'm losing sympathy for Sam here. Like, like, I was a lot more sympathetic about him in the earlier clips, but now th this this all is just his narcissistic opinions. I'm not sure he's leaving Twitter forever. He'll come back. I, I Now I'm convinced he's going to come back. This is like the third or fourth time that I've brought up Sam for a person who came up 
in the so-called skeptic movement just seems to not really understand the modern way conspiracism works at all. No, he doesn't. He absolutely doesn't. And I think part of that, again, is because he is part of that and he doesn't have the degree of self-awareness to understand that he's part of that. But, you know, he's, I think, operating on, like, the boomer definition of conspiracism where it's, you know, you put on a tinfoil hat and you talk about how, you know, aliens did 9-11 or the Jews did everything. You know, the, the low-hanging fruit conspiracy theories that most normal people, uh, not online, can point out. But he doesn't actually have the ability to, like, call a spade a spade and assess how people like his friend Brett are engaging in, you know, very technically flavored conspiracism or, you know, how a lot of the stochastic terrorism going on online is all rooted in conspiracy about, you know, they're coming to trans your children in uh, libraries wearing drag. Like there's, there's so many manifestations of that, that he does not have the faculties to recognize. And that's why he's calling it new, not because he's actually perceiving it for the first time. It's because he's mad at Brett. Right. Right. And, <laughs> that was you know i think we people can go listen to his whole thing it's only 22 minutes it's not long i'd be um i don't know i'd be upset i guess if you all left to go watch it right now because then we might just be talking to marcus but uh (laughs) but go go listen to it it's not long and it's a lot of like poor me and there's other times in it where it's clearly about his failed interpersonal relationship with i think brett and um maybe not dave rubin so much but also maybe eric more and more as time goes on lance from the surfs just hits things like right on the head i saw that you put this on the show notes for this so uh for people watching the podcast lance from the surf says uh about sam leaving twitter uh the right thinks that uh they bullied a lib off twitter the right thinks that they bullied sam a lib off twitter sam's not really a liberal um that's my thing anyway sam harris resurrected charles murray's rightfully tarnished racist ass career and put race and iq back into the spotlight and propagated Jordan Peterson C-16 lies about trans people, and then the IDW devoured one of their own. And that's pretty much what, what happened here, actually. That's the the most accurate like portrayal of what happened. Oh, 100%. And I think if, uh, if you're interested in that like sentiment in terms of what the people in Sam Harris's fan base think, you, all you have to do is type his name into Twitter, and you can kind of look at the tweets around like a week ago when sam harris actually wound up deleting his account and you know i i found doing that uh before hopping on tonight there's a bunch of like sub stackers who were like oh he used to be a hero of mine and now he's a terrible uh, piece of shit and i'm glad that lib is gone like lance like you said hit it really right on the head they now just call anybody who isn't a giant fascist a lib and cast them out and that's what they're claiming credit for, it almost kind of feels like, you know, a terrorist group claiming credit for something they very clearly didn't do. Right. Like, this, this is Sam Harris's own internal mental issues leading to this. And now all of the rights is like, oh, yeah, victory. We got another lib. We owned him, which is, is everybody's just showing their ass. Maybe Twitter should die. So people stop doing that. So now we have the Weinsteins. Here's here's Eric. And I'll read this again for the people listening to the podcast. He's like, I checked in with Sam. He did it himself. I got to admit, my model of many things needs a tune-up. I logged quite a few hours in conversation with Sam Harris from 2016 to 2019. They were not helping me predict Sam in the last couple years. I wouldn't have guessed this, for example. That's a weirdly cynical Twitter post from Eric. 
Yeah, I know. Like, why why is your interact? Why are your social interactions about predicting people? Like, can't you just interact with people? Be normal, man. Like, I don't know if y'all hung out in real life, but why why is this about uh, trying to to have some sort of mystical understanding of Sam? Maybe maybe he was just fucking sick of Twitter. I don't know. And maybe it's not that complicated. Eric, stop turning this into some sort of you know giant philosophy quest. The man just deleted his Twitter account or deactivated it for now. And not for nothing, this is just another example of for that for a lot of these people, this is all about like their personal relationships with one another more than more than it was ever about anything else. There was it was never about like intellectual rigor. These people like were all just like y- like sort of using each other and their personal relationship with each other to build their platforms to get more popular. And that's fine. <clears throat> I don't have you on my show, Marcus, thinking that some of your fans might not come over here and follow my channel, right? Like, we, of course, we, I mean, we're all doing that, but like, right. But if, if you say something stupid, I'm going to be like, oh, Marcus said something stupid. Maybe I'll talk to him about it. Maybe I won't because that's, you know, that'll be the, you know, the first time I ever heard of him saying something stupid. So we'll just let it go. Like, it's, but it's not like this, this, like, weird, personal thing and these people it's all like just so deeply personal like it's so crazy because these conversations are all being had out in public and they talk about the conversations as if they're like deep like personal conversations you'd have over like a bottle of vodka after you had a long day with your friend where you might say things you wouldn't say in public right and yeah there's so much like everybody taking everything personally and you would think they would all kind of realize that a lot of this was again about uh, building uh, a very public facing brand you know it's a branding project when they all did that fucking photo shoot in the forest like that was the most uh, contrived ridiculous spectacle to you know introduce themselves as these alleged intellectual titans because they wore a sweater and a nice collared t-shirt as an academic in the middle of a forest with some trees and a bush nearby like that should have i mean again none of these people have any self-awareness but uh, to people who can actually see them for what they are the moment they hit the scene you could tell like these people are fucking weird like this is some weird uh anti-academic heterodoxy as brett would say it's uh it's all part of the design to position themselves as you know a viable alternative to contemporary thinking in insert discipline or field here but of course none of them can ever apply any of that analysis towards each other and now it's all personal when in reality kind of like we were talking about before they're, they're just co-workers they're here to use each other's followings to elevate their own to generate content and to you know clip and ship that content to manipulate algorithms and attract more people to their content like this is all about branding so it's actually really funny just to see their egos be so big that something as mundane as a deactivated Twitter account is causing this much of a fuss. You had mentioned, uh, <clears throat> Brett, I have, there were two short clips on Twitter. I put them together into one and, uh, we're going to watch them now. Cause he's Brett's going to try to, you know, pontificate on, uh, Sam leaving Twitter here. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we'll see how, uh, Sam's brain has evolved to not need Twitter anymore. <laughs> I wanted to um, point out, there's something that I, you've heard me say it many times, I think I've said it quite a number of times on Dark Horse, that um, if you say something that is wrong, right, Mm -hmm. if you get something wrong, the process of admitting that you got it wrong is very painful for all of us. But some of us are good at it. Why are we good at it? 
because the pain that you experience in publicly having to reverse yourself is such a tiny fraction of the burden that comes to you if you refuse to correct it, that it's a bargain. Mm-hmm. Expensive as it is, it's a bargain, right? Now, if you do it all the time, people will correctly infer that you're not doing thinking very well because you're constantly having to correct yourself. But if you do your work well so that you don't have to correct yourself that often, and then you do correct yourself when you need to, that actually increases people's trust in you because they know why you're trustworthy, which is that you'll fix it if you got it wrong and you'll right. alert them, right? My position <laughs> on the functionality of hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> Believed Which we never talked about on air because it just, it just didn't even hit radar, really. This was actually my, yeah. my biggest embarrassment. Yeah. I do not have a good explanation for how I missed the fact that I was being misled by propaganda on this <laughs> until embarrassingly late. <laughs> so, first of all, they, he's lying. They did talk about hydroxychloroquine, right? He's just straight up lying. But I... The problem is they've pumped out so much goddamn content that for me to go try to find it. It's a, it's an ordeal to actually go, you know, find the clip where they're like, actually, yeah, fish tank cleaners fucking awesome for COVID. Well, of course we know it's not, but you know, these two stooges, especially Brett were trying to, again, be as heterodox as humanly possible and say things that ran against consensus for the sake of actually, uh, attracting people to to grift those two clips juxtaposed together are just insane because brett defines your uh utility as an intellectual as to your accuracy you know your your predictive ability like you're some sort of soothsayer and you can you know get everything correct and know what your track record is and to an extent that's a component obviously if somebody's uh, full of nothing but shit takes then you, you don't go to them for for information especially if it's important life-saving information about a pandemic but then for him to say like, yeah, you know, that your worth as an intellectual, as an academic is just how your forecasting ability, like dog, you're just a, a weather person at that point. You're not a scientist. Like you actually have to do science and publish research to be a scientist. You don't just call things. You don't call, uh, you're not there. It's just broadcasting and doing commentary, which is all that Brett does. So he's, he's so anti-academic at this point that he knows that's all he can do is just try and call balls and strikes for everything that happens and use that metric as a utility as the 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 worth of an intellectual while then simultaneously saying here's one of the calls that i missed but actually it was everybody misleading me into missing that call it's all your fault i didn't actually get anything wrong (laughs) y'all made me wrong while saying actually i've been always right by the way which means i'm good just dumb absolutely moronic and not for nothing he was like saying that oh you know admitting that you were wrong is hard and i just don't think it is it's really not and if brett actually paid attention during his nine years of grad school that's one of the things they beat into your brain is like you must say that you will look like an ass clown if you don't people will shun you which they have for brett and it's not that difficult to be like okay yeah, I was wrong about this. Let's not, you know, do that set of experiments. Let's not follow that rabbit hole anymore because we're wrong about how, you know, this aspect of biology is working. And when you actually look at actual academics, uh, there was actually a, a 
oh, I don't want, I don't know what the word to describe this was. A bunch of the, the people on COVID Twitter had kind of that reflection moment where they were like, oh, you know, it's the three year anniversary of COVID. Like, let's kind of uh, look back on some of the shit we got right and some of the shit we got wrong. And the actual academics were like, yeah, here's what I got wrong. Here's why I was wrong. And here's how things uh, change because this is how it actually works. You know, a lot of the actual genuine academics were like, yeah, this is just a fucking half a tweet worth of characters. But yeah, I was wrong about this. Hell, I'll tell you, I was wrong about uh, the very first Omicron. I thought it was going to be uh, a lot more murderous than it was, and it still killed a lot of people, but I I was way off on the fucking scope of that one. That took me two seconds. Like, that took me literally two seconds. That's not an indictment of my character. I was just wrong. <laughs> That's it. That's literally it. And Brett can't do that because he staked his online persona on being right all the time. So we're going to kind of... Uh switch gears a little bit for the last couple minutes of the podcast portion of the show to just kind of talk about how a few of our favorite characters and maybe some of the Elon hangers on are uh, behaving. Here's a, here's Jordan Peterson since his account got reinstated. <laughs> just <laughs> tweeting, 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 like he doesn't have anything else to do. And like, he's, um, I don't know, possibly, uh, intoxicated in some way, shape or form. <laughs> The apple cider, Dave, he had another glass of apple cider with too many sulfites. He's up for 40 days tweeting nonstop. Like, what other explanation is there, man? He, Him and James Lindsay. James Lindsay also just got reinstated. I think uh, in a couple of weeks since James Lindsay's been back, he's tweeted like 1,700 times or something. Like, it, it's just, it's insane. Like, you have nothing to do but tweet. Get a life. Get a fucking life, man. And the, the fun thing that happened, actually, did you see Nexium uh, uh, trending today? And it was trending because James Lindsay was like cozied up to one of the one of their top, uh, like I guess one of the people that was recruiting young women into young yeah. women into some and some people believe uh, young girls, people under the age of eighteen, into Nexium. And he there he was with a, a, a picture with her. It's, I would show up at an event that she showed up at, but if I was on a panel with her, I'd probably get kicked the fuck off the panel because I would go after her. Oh, yeah. And uh, that, that was Matt Binder who actually screenshotted the pre-James Lindsay suspension tweet where that woman, uh, what, what the fuck is her name? Nikki Klein, uh, the sex trafficker and uh, cult ringleader said i taught james Lindsay everything he knows and james is like uh, he liked it or some shit so they they know each other but matt bender screenshot of that now that james Lindsay's back they're just doing what they do with elon and the uh gizlane maxwell picture and just reply to all of his tweets with that with that screenshot and james Lindsay probably got that trending because he's trying to get people to report any reply with that picture in it right and he's like begging I, there was a tweet where he was like begging elon to like make that spam to say that this is spam and to like make it make it like verboten or whatever on on twitter and it's like dude like you your your past as a public figure is never going away and now that you're on this everybody i don't like as a groomer kick and then well we're like well why wait, wait but why did you choose to take this picture with this person who was recruiting people into a sex cult i feel like these are um you know you you can do both but you look a little silly yeah i mean again it did it to himself he didn't have to do that but he did it even if he took a picture he didn't have to neither of them had to post that and she posted it on twitter for everybody to see so you know why are you complaining 
actually I kind of have an idea as to why I think that goes back to Elon's perceived ideological alignments, which I think are becoming increasingly clear with time. They all, they being IDW figures or, you know, orbiters of the IDW like James Lindsay, they all view Elon as someone who's on their side and as someone they can summon to immediately censor their critics and people who uh, post things that they don't like. Right, and I think Elon's, Elon's not going to come. I think Elon's never going to come to James Lindsay's defense, and I'm not even kidding. Is that Elon probably just doesn't think he's cool, right? Like, yeah, Elon can't reply with laughing while crying emoji times three to any of James Lindsay's tweets because they fucking suck. Right? Unless unless he reposted the sword video, in which case I would reply to the sword video with three laughing while crying emojis because that sword video was just over the top ridiculous. Sometimes late at night while I DJ, right? There's like, I have backup dancers. There's like a, with like filters on it. It's people dancing and a lot of it's cool stuff like Richard Simmons. But of course I included that video. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking awesome that you snuck that in there. James Lindsay playing with a katana in his backyard. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course I put that in there as one of my backup dancers. (laughs) So we were, we were talking about Jordan Peterson and here's a tweet that he should have just deleted. Like, why would you just not delete this and go, you know what? I totally said that wrong. Here's what I meant to say. Uh, this is, uh, he's quote tweeting uh, Colin Wright. Uh, doesn't really matter what Colin's saying. Fuck Colin Wright. He says, Jews are canaries in the social coal mine. When anti-Semitism becomes a moral necessity, even in its subtler forms, hell is to m- about to make its appearance yet again. And it's like, what, what the fuck did you just say? Why didn't you delete this tweet? Yeah, uh, I've been actually like talking with a handful of people I know about that tweet because there's like a couple of alternative interpretations of it. The way I interpreted it, it was more like, uh, to me, it sounds like Jordan Peterson is perceiving that in order to achieve the things he wants to see, he has to be an anti-Semite and conform to anti-Semitism. And the act of doing that is going to be hellish. But there's also the alternative interpretation of him basically saying like the pushback from being an anti-Semite to do what I need to get done is the actual hell. So it's almost like a contrast of is it the anti-Semitism itself that's bad or the fact that you have to do it publicly and you're going to get shit for it is bad. Kind of going back to again, Sam Harris, you know, your public uh, confirmation to these viewpoints to make your base happy. Is that the bad thing or is your content the bad thing? Jordan Peterson, I think, is, again, too lost in the sauce to tell the difference. So when I was talking about it, I've been blocked on my account, my main one by Jordan Peterson, (laughs) if you could imagine that. But I was talking to people about it, and some of his weird fans were like, oh, you know, this is what he meant. This is what he meant. This is what he meant. And I'm like, aren't all you fucking weirdos, haven't you, for the last five years, been telling people like me to engage with his literal exact words and what he said? not some interpretation that's being fed to me of what he's saying or what he's thinking. And now I'm doing that and you're feeding me some incredibly charitable interpretation of what he's saying. And I I was like, you might even be right. He may have said, he may have meant to say, you know, when enough people start to believe that anti-Semitism is a moral necessity, that all hell breaks loose or whatever it is. And I would grant him, I, I haven't, He's been friendly with anti-Semites, but he doesn't. He doesn't JQ. He just doesn't do it. It's just not in his repertoire of things that he does. He's done very mild Holocaust denial, but he's just saying it's okay to question it, which I think is bad. It's like, but it's not. 
he I don't think that he wrote that believing that anti-Semitism is a moral necessity, but that's what he wrote. And I'm supposed to, I'm just telling those, those weird nerds have been telling me for a very long time that I need to engage with exactly what he's saying. Yeah. And that's the shit that we got with Trump on Twitter for years when he was the president, you know, Oh, just take him literally, or, you know, don't take him seriously. Take him literally, you know, don't, don't read too much into it. It's just a big orange dude who tweeted after he took a shit while eating a fillet of fish. Like it's just take him literally. He's, he's a meme. He's a joke. But when people like Jordan Peterson just outright say, like, yeah, anti-Semitism is going to be a moral necessity in the coming days, what what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to interpret that? And it's it's wild to watch the mental gymnastics of the weirdo stands of Jordan Peterson to justify everything you just said, you know, trying to convince people to believe a more charitable interpretation the fact that we're even having this conversation itself is just fucking insane because we fought in a large capacity an entire world war over this notion of anti-Semitism. I right. thought this was solved. And also like not for nothing. I'm just glad that you didn't say uh, the fact that we're having this conversation is a wonderful thing. And isn't it great that we're able to have these kinds of conversations? <laughs> yeah, we're in the free market, Dave. The fact that we can talk about anti-Semitism without immediate censorship is a wonderful thing. Oh, so, no, I feel dirty for even memeing about that. I need to shower so, after this. So for the most part, except for the Sam Harris stuff, Eric has kind of stayed out of the discourse around Twitter being purchased. And, um, just vague posted like this right here. Uh, Elon says the Twitter files on free speech suppression are soon to be published on Twitter. The public deserves to know what really happened. And Eric is just like interesting. Yeah. Eric, why are you casting your fucking hat into this dude? Like if you knew what was good for your brand, you'd stay away from that. Like none of, I mean, I'm sure Eric's probably talked about, you know, uh, censorship and free speech online in his content before, but like, you know, we don't necessarily know Eric as, you know, the brave free speech absolutionist. Like, that's not really his brand. So why are you sullying what you have left of your brand with this shit? Because you're only going to make yourself worse off for doing it. Yeah, he in, in fact, Eric, I would suggest isn't a free speech absolutist. He's never said he is. He's the one of the people, the one IDW person who is just basically on the record saying that people who don't agree with him should probably shut the fuck up. hey i mean that's a more respectable position honestly if he's just saying like yeah you're dumb shut up okay cool that's just your opinion and we can all have our opinions and throw them at each other like shit but you know that's not you know you disagree with me so you're banned or i'm gonna suspend you or send you to the fucking shadow realm like jesus christ I think it's more just trying to grift off of the weirdo Elon nerds who are always in Elon's replies. And when you quote tweet him, you get some of those gravitating towards your account. So less Eric actually finding anything interesting about it and more just trying to get more Elon fans and his following. Well, or so he can like after the fact say, you know, when I, tw- when I quote tweeted this, I was thinking this thing, I was oh, being God. very thoughtful, right? That's he's going to, he's going to do it like after the fact gonna be like well this is exactly what i thought was going on but i didn't say it at the time because you know i don't know i didn't want to i didn't want to give up the game i didn't want anybody to censor me while i revealed the extent of free speech suppression online i knew this all along actually that's this now we're getting into QAnon territory dude (laughs) like straight up you know uh yeah everybody was absolutely in on this giant 
plot from uh the people who control the media to censor people on twitter like he's a stone's throw away from bringing out those dog whistles if he actually does what you described yeah and uh i guess we're two hours into this i try to keep this show to less than an hour and a half but i thought <clears throat> i thought things were going pretty well and we were having a good discussion so podcast Agreed. listeners you did in fact get an extended version everybody make sure you check out marcus's channel that's at homozygote i'll make sure there's a link in the show notes uh, not only on uh, the pod but on uh, youtube as well um any kind of closing thoughts before i play a song about maybe my parents and then, uh, then we then we then we watch some other infuriating <laughs> content until you decide to leave <laughs> hey i mean i think with respect to these idw folks whether it's sam harris the weinsteins uh lobster daddy they're all terminally addicted to twitter and i've almost kind of taken this like burn it down approach to twitter recently just because i think so many people have such an unhealthy relationship across any political ideology you can think of with social media it would almost be nice to like try and forcibly reset some people's brains so that they don't engage with other people online in the future they waited the way they do because they took a break so that's why I was kind of trying to be more charitable towards Sam Harris. Maybe he kind of perceives some of the things that I've been seeing in terms of how people don't know how to fucking be online. Uh, at least from my perspective, a lot of those people are in academia and they're not used to being online. So when someone says one mean thing, they piss shit and cry and run away. But for someone like Sam, it's different because that's been his entire brand as being online. So I thought it was initially a little refreshing for him to be like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be here. It makes me hate people. I don't like that. But then as it just went on, you know, you get looped back into the cynicism of, oh, well, now this is just him crying about his own persona and being narcissistic on main. And we'll probably expect him back in a month. Nothing's going to change with him. So it was interesting the ride throughout that two hours to be like, oh, OK, maybe Sam Harris is actually learning. And then slowly coming to the realization that, like, no, he, he, he probably is not learning a damn thing. So that's that's kind of my uh, disposition. Maybe, maybe it's a good thing that it dies. And I'm hoping something if it does die, uh, it being Twitter, something is built in its place with the moderation that you described earlier. Uh, that would be the most ideal. I'm not sure Mastodon is it. Maybe if it does become it, I'd be fine with that. But uh i think in its current form twitter is definitely on an unsustainable trajectory and sooner rather than later it, it will completely fall apart or become uninhabitable by most normal people yeah that that's good i don't really have much to add um this is the part where i usually make hk read my show out because it's funny because he, he doesn't <laughs> think he's good at it but i'll go ahead and do that thanks podcast listeners for <laughs> listening to this extremely long podcast thank you so much for joining us yet again uh Marcus, if you're listening to the podcast, this comes out Friday afternoon. Uh, jump on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. We'll have Marcus back on for something a little more lighthearted and less heavy. We'll be doing conspiracy bingo. Uh, go to our website, echoplexmedia.com, and check out all of our shows. And don't forget to click that support tab. And our swag shop is just phenomenal. And shout out to everybody at Fourth Wall. They've been pretty helpful for us. This is Boomers by Periscope. I am going to change the contents of my drink and change the color of light in uh, this here room. And we are going to consume more infuriating content until our guest throws his earbuds and leaves. <laughs> I'll see everybody next week on the podcast.
can't get enough Echoplex and want to keep the conversation going with the hosts and community when we're not live, then join our Discord server at discord.me slash Echoplex. We have text channels, voice channels, meme repositories, and a whole section of screenshots that we don't even remember where they came from. Come join the Now Space on Discord at discord.me slash Echoplex.